Hello, I'm Janus. And I'm Tessa. Welcome to our podcast that celebrates wordiness and nerdiness and sometimes plain absurdiness. Please join us for today's episode of Your Your New New Favorite Favorite Word. Welcome back to episode 15. We're glad to be here with you today. Before we get started talking about our new favorite words, I just want to take a moment to discuss something that I found very interesting recently. You may or may not be aware of the buzz surrounding the word irregardless being added officially to the dictionary. In an NPR article, they say, Merriam-Webster raised the hackles of stodgy grammarians (laughs) last week when it affirmed the lexical veracity of irregardless. People seem to have very strong opinions on this word. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Now, as much as this might be my new least favorite (laughs) word, it doesn't really matter that I don't like it or that you don't like it when it comes to whether or not it belongs in the dictionary. You might remember our discussion in episode 7 of how words are coined and why and how they get added to the dictionary. NPR article continues... Irregardless is included in our dictionary because it has been in widespread and near constant use since 1795. Wow. The dictionary staff wrote in a Words of the Week roundup on Friday, We do not make the English language, we merely record it. (laughs) So that's just an affirmation of what we were talking about in Episode 7. It would be interesting to hear your opinion on the word irregardless. Go ahead and uh, leave us a comment on our Facebook page or send us a message letting us know how you feel about this new event. Yeah. Are you pro or con? Are you one of those stodgy grammarians (laughs) mentioned? (laughs) Are you going to admit to that now? That's such a negative term. So, Jameis, what's your new favorite or least favorite word this (laughs) week? Maybe we should do some episodes about our least favorite words. I think we should. That sounds like a good idea. So with the summer weather upon us, my thoughts have turned to that immortal cry for relief. Ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. <laughs> so this is an, is an example of an oronym, O-R-O-N-Y-M. Interesting. Which is a word or phrase that sounds the same as another word or phrase. So some other examples are, the stuffy nose can lead to problems. The stuff he knows... <laughs> Can lead to problems. (laughs) Also, the good candy came many ways. The good candy came any (laughs) ways. So when ornaments occur in song lyrics, we call them mondegreens. We talked about that. Exactly. We had talked about that uh, on the show before. So I won't go into those examples here. Uh, It's the same idea, just a different context. But when used in speech, we call them ornaments. They often show up in jokes. Which makes sense because it's all about wordplay, right? Mm -hmm. Some of my favorites are, and Tessa, you're aware of these, I think. What did the pirate say when he turned 80 years old? (laughs) What? I'm 80! (laughs) (laughs) I'm 80! (laughs) What did the movies Titanic and The Sixth Sense have in common? (laughs) I see dead people. (laughs) That's a really good one. So, I mean, I've always enjoyed playing with oronyms, even before I knew that's what oronym, that's what they were called. They lend themselves especially well to longer story form jokes, where the punchline, if you can call it that, <laughs> is a lengthy pun. We so, talked about those previously yeah, as well. Exactly. 
So here's one of my own creation. An old sailor took up teaching. A young student bumped into the table holding the class timepiece, which shattered and cast sand and glass <laughs> all over the floor. The teacher cried, Our glass, our class, our glass! <laughs> <laughs> A longer and even more contrived example, also mine. Sybil's great-great-grandfather fought in the war between the states, and when he came home, he somehow brought with him a fortune in silver forks and spoons, (laughs) which he melted down and turned into jewelry. This displeased the air spirits, or sylph, who had apparently (laughs) first treasured this trove. At first, Sybil kept the jewelry hidden away, but eventually decided that she didn't care what the sylph thought and took to wearing it all. Thus, we might say that Sybil wore Sybil wore Silver wore Silver wore Silver wore Sybil wore Silver wore Silver wore Silver. (laughs) Now this reminds me of another episode. (laughs) Does that sound familiar to anyone? (laughs) Right. Those, uh, the there, 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 there one. Yes, exactly. So as you might imagine, tongue twisters sometimes lean on ORMs. That last one was kind of a tongue twister. So how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Or a noise, a noise, an oyster, but a noisy noise, a noise, an oyster more? That's always been one of my favorites. And if stew choose shoes, should stew choose the shoes he choose? There's a British television sketch show that ran for years called The Two Ronnies. Some of our listeners may be familiar with it. But one of their most famous sketches starts with a customer asking a shopkeeper for four candles. And when the shopkeeper provides him with four wax candles, he shakes his head and says, No, four candles. (laughs) Well, there you are, says the shopkeep. Four candles. No, says the customer. Four candles. Candles for forks. (laughs) And the sketch goes on from there. But my favorite discovery came when reading about oranims and stumbling on the phrase recreational linguistics. (laughs) This sounds like something that's right up our alley. Totally. I loved it. I mean, I've heard of recreational mathematics, which is where you do math puzzles to solve problems, you know, anyway, for fun. Um, I am a subscriber to recreational programming, mm-hmm. thinking in terms of computer programming, writing software for fun, but recreational linguistics. So it's formally called logology <laughs> or ludolinguistics <laughs> from the Latin word ludos, meaning game. Okay. It concerns itself with the study of wordplay, puns, acrostics, palindromes, and more. <laughs> like, like you said, right up our alley. For decades, there's been a kind of journal, that's in quotation marks, called Wordways, dedicated to the exploration of logology. It was started in 1968, but of course, just as I discover it, it's set to end in November of this year. Oh, <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, it ran for 40 years. More than that, 50 years. Will you be able to access back issues and everything? Exactly. The good news is that all the back issues are being made available for free online. So I will include a link to that in the show notes. So there should be plenty of reading material to last us. And just glancing through some of the articles, uh, definitely right up our alley. I think it could prove to be material for future episodes. (laughs) Well, that sounds really fun. So yeah, that was was really fun, reading about oronyms and word ways. (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. So Tessa, what about you? What have you got for us? Well, I want to give a shout out to listener Pam, who sent us a list this week of contronyms. And this inspired me to research further. What is a contronym and where do they come from? It's a nim word. Yes. <laughs> so nim meaning name, right? A kind of word, kind of noun. 
So there are lots of names for contronyms, actually. Um, one of them is self-antonym, uh, or an antilogy. Anti meaning against or opposite. Logos being a root for a word. So these are words that have multiple meanings, of which one is the opposite of another. I love it. Yeah, and so some other names for this. Autoantonym, portmanteaued into autantonym. Contronym with an O, contronym, or contranym with an A, contronym. Antagonym, that's a pretty fun <laughs> antagonym. one. Like, yeah, think about antagonism. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this one correctly. Enantiodrum. Whoa. Or enantionym, or my actual new favorite word, a Janus word, meaning two-faced, a two-faced word. It means one thing and also its opposite. So what are some examples of this and where do they come from? So sometimes a contronym comes about when two similar words with different meanings merge historically through the development of language over time. So... The most common example of this is the word cleave, Mm. which can mean to cut apart, like a cleaver cleaves, or to bind together, to cleave to someone. (laughs) So these are completely opposite words, uh, meanings, but, and they come from two different words historically. So in Old English, we had a word, cleophon, C-L-E-O-F-A-N, with different spellings. Old English was a little bit <laughs> laissez-faire. Non-standardized. Yes. But that's the one I want to focus on. C-L-E-O-F-A-N, cleophon, meaning to split, part, or divide by force. Um, the modern past tense of this, cleft, can be seen to come from this. So like a cleft chin or a cleft palate that are split in the middle. Or the past participle cloven, as in cloven tongues of fire, this phrase that we've heard before. Another word in Middle English, cliven, came from an Old English, cleophion, C-L-E-O-F-I-A-N. I don't know how to pronounce Old English, honestly. Totally different. But... Those words, the only difference is an I. So C-L-E-O-F-A-N versus C-L-E-O-F-I-A-N. And that word meant to stick fast or adhere. (laughs) So by the 14th century, as you might imagine, the inflectional forms of this verb have tended to run together, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. And this makes sense because of the similarity in their spellings and then So talking about their inflectional forms, the different past tense, present tense, future tense, and the different uh, participles and things were very, very similar. And so they began to be spelled the same, and they became cleave in two different senses. But it makes sense. It's one word. So that's one way a contronym might come about. Another one is when one word acquires different meanings over time. So a common example of this is the word sanction which can mean to make valid or binding or to impose a negative penalty on. So those are kind of opposite meanings, but both of those come from the noun form of sanction, a confirmation or enactment of a law, Um, which, as you can see, doesn't have a positive or negative connotation. It's just saying there's a law about this and we are enacting that law in this situation and confirming it. And... 
the law could be for or against something. But when we apply it, it might be for something to give a positive sanction to authoritatively say this is appropriate or good, or it might be against someone or something. We are applying negative consequences because of a law against what this person is doing, for example, sanctions. And that ter- that sense of the term, the negative sense, actually didn't show up until the 1950s. Really? I found that very interesting. Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah. And the Oxford English Dictionary actually lists that meaning as a use of doubtful acceptability at present. <laughs> so they are kind of negatively sanctioning this word. I think so. <laughs> so that's a little <laughs> bit ironic. But this is another way that a word might become a contronym. So another way that a word might become a contronym is when we have the sense of adding X to something and also removing X from something, and then we just start talking about it in terms of X. So to give an example, the word dust. So we can add dust to something, sprinkle dust on something. So an example might be to dust the strawberries with powdered sugar. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. Or we might remove the dust from a surface, right, by dusting it. But we, in both cases, we just latch on to the verb and say dust. This reminds me always of that great childhood series, Amelia Bedelia, where she <laughs> misunderstands words. And when she's asked to dust the furniture, she goes and puts dust on everything. So that's another way that a word can become a contronym. And another one is when it develops different meanings in different dialects or regions of a language where it's being used. So an example that was interesting to me, the word dollop. Uh, When we say like a dollop of whipped cream, we mean just a small amount, right? Yeah. In American English. But in British English, a dollop is a large quantity. (laughs) So it's the opposite meaning. Interesting. So I'd be interested in knowing more examples of that, but that's one that I found. And then the final one that I wanted to talk about is slang words that are probably deliberately used to mean the opposite of what they used to use or traditionally mean. Um, So, for example, bad, right? Bad to the bone (laughs) means you're really good at something, right? Or... The bomb. I remember the first time I heard that slang term when it was in vogue. I was really confused, thinking that if something had bombed, that's a word that we had used to mean something went really wrong. But the bomb Mm -hmm. in slang terms meant to be something that was really great or mean. That was a really mean performance, right? Meaning (laughs) it was great, fantastic, excellent, right? Yeah. Or sick. So that's a more recent one, right? Sick burns or great burns. Right? <laughs> and then this one is another of my least favorite words, but literally being used to mean figuratively. figuratively. And that's actually in the dictionary as a meaning of literally because of its usage in more that. recent times. So that's another one that gets under my skin a little bit, but I have to stand by my belief that dictionary does not create language it records language yeah fair so. enough i agree that one kind of gets under my skin a little <laughs> bit too. so that's what i learned this week about contronyms 
That's awesome. Like I've always thought it was funny, the cleave and cleave dichotomy there. I never knew what to call them, though. Yeah. Now I do. That's great. (laughs) Thanks for sharing, Tessa. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, tell a friend or two or leave a review. We'd appreciate it. And as ever, let us know what's your new favorite word.